There are two circumstances in the house buying process where you should engage a building inspector. In one circumstance, they might uncover deal breakers that would save you a lot of money and a huge amount of heartbreak. In the second circumstance, it might be too late. What sort of things should be uncovered and what should you be worried about? Welcome to Your First Home Buyer Guide, the podcast for first home buyers who want to get it right. I'm Megan and that was Veronica. We're both buyers agents and probably old enough to be your mums. But that's a good thing because between us, we've got over 40 years experience and we are going to share with you bucket loads of stories about avoidable mistakes. Together, we're going to make sure that you get unbiased and real information that you can rely on so you can get where you want to be without missing a step. Now, we've got loads of great tips for you in this episode. And if you'd like more useful tools, head over to the website, homebuyeracademy.com.au. There you'll find free checklists that you can download, a free mini course on how to price a property and our where to buy a workshop for only $39. Priceless stuff, really. Bargain. But before we get into the interesting stuff in this week's episode, here's the boring bit, the disclaimer. You of course know that nothing in this podcast is to be taken as personal advice. We always recommend getting the advice of an expert in their field of expertise. Now we've done our very best to ensure that the content is correct at the time of recording, but things change. So check with the relevant government authority or your advisors to get the most up-to-date information. Today, we're talking about building inspector horror stories. If you're buying an existing house, you should be getting a building inspection before you commit to the purchase. But what happens when you buy off the plan or a house and land package? Then you get a handover inspection, and these have been known to reveal some scary things. (laughs) But before we get into that, um, Megan always has a video behind her, and or a picture, I should say, behind her in the video. And... I guess in honour of our special guests today, she's got a falling down house. (laughs) What the hell is that, Megan? I've noticed. This is hilarious. So I just, I I find different things like cool houses, interesting architecture, whatever the case may be. If you're not tuned in on YouTube, (laughs) do yourself a favour. I think that we have all driven past at some point in time a farm that has a shed that's falling down. Now, I, I don't know how you'd even do an inspection on this one. I don't think there's anything to be salvaged. (laughs) looks like it's falling in on itself now we have a a pair of special guests today we've got building inspectors zahir and ed from siteinspections.com.au zahir has been making a bit of a name for himself of late due to his revealing tiktok videos that not only highlight some shoddy workmanship out there amongst our builder community but they're also very educational, these videos. That's one of the reasons I quite love them. Um, so thank you so much for joining us today, fellows. We're going to kick off and, and dig into. <laughs> Thanks, thank We've got lots to ask you. Videos, they amuse me no oh, end. Good, no problem. Look, people think that brand cool. new means trouble free, but like always, we are here to open your eyes to the things that you don't know that you don't know. 
A pre-purchase inspection is a few parts of the steps in your first home buyer guide. Step one being build your support crew, so get good people on board. And step seven being evaluate, and it should be a make or break part of your process. Now, Zaheer, you have been called the David Attenborough of building inspections, as I saw on one of your TikTok videos. (laughs) And it's largely (laughs) because of the way that you convey your information, which I just love. Now, if you haven't viewed any of these videos do yourself a favor and get right on there how we've got the links in the show notes everyone so you can make it very easy little trip there how long have you guys (laughs) been in the game so uh yeah so i've been a builder for over 15 years i registered builder and practitioner and uh basically uh yeah been in the game for a while yeah and decided to uh shift uh my work to uh to build an inspection. Tell me about that because a lot of the inspectors yeah. that we're using in Brisbane are ex-builders and there's a very specific reason that we do that because yeah. there's an in-depth knowledge that's there. What why did you go from hands-on tools to to actually looking at things and and helping people uncover what might be issues? Well, it, it's hard to find um good traders at the at the moment. And the uh, thing is yes, the thing is I'm um, uh, you know, if you've got around, you know, a couple of job sites, 10, 10 sites, and you're, uh, you can't sit there and manage every single trade, you kind of trust that trade that is going to do the yeah. right thing. Um, and, uh, and, and the thing is, they give you a certificate of compliance and, the, and you rely on that as a builder. But when you hand over the job and you start getting water leaks, uh, mm-hmm. cracks or whatever, and then, you, and then you get the certificate and, and, and the trades are saying that, hey, look, it is compliant. But as a builder, you're responsible for it. So they take you to court and the trade basically, uh, you know, doesn't answer their phone calls anymore, doesn't come back to do the job, and then the bill does liable for all rectifications. So th- that's why uh, I, I kind of like you left the building trade. I still do jobs here and, mm. here and there. But um, uh, basically, yeah, so that's, uh, that's one of the biggest reasons that I left the job. It's hard to find good workers. Let's interesting. Let's unpack yeah, that for a little bit. Yeah, because I don't know that a lot of people know that. And I think that's really important no. to understand. Yeah, yeah. sure. So, so, so basically, when a waterproofer gives you a waterproofing certificate that it says it is compliant and it's done as per the Australian standards, um, the bill doesn't check that. The building surveyor doesn't check that. And basically, uh, we rely on this document that this trade has done the correct thing, but they haven't. So who ninety percent of the time they don't. So who issues a certificate? The waterproof the person who's done so the job. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. And we we trust the trade. We say thank you very much for the certificate. Yeah. Um, the building surveyor picks it off. Yep, we, we've have we have received a certificate of compliance, but it's non-compliant works. Like today, I did a I did an inspection for a job for a pre-purchase inspection, and the client he really got an inspector to, to do that job. Um, but uh, the sh- both showers are leaking. <laughs> the, the actual waterproofing is non-compliant, and he's already paid a deposit and everything, and now he wants out because uh, three bathrooms need to be demolished now to fix the waterproofing. <laughs> but that's not something so, that's easy um, and, to, and, and to it's signed see. Off. There's, an, there's an OC permit and it's signed off so already. Here, I'm, I'm just so curious because it's not easy to see, right? This is below yeah. tiles. Let's talk about waterproofing. Where's mm. waterproofing? Yeah. You sort of you have your plaster, yeah. you have your base. Um, if anyone's watched the block, yeah. you know that's part of the process. But there's I think it's yeah. part of the problem. Um, 
<laughs> and then and then there's this kind of membrane that is painted on yeah. a very very specific special membrane that's yeah. painted onto certain penetrations and and parts mm. and then the tiles go on top of that so you can't see that can exactly you? right so so what happens is that um uh, the problem is the, is the water under the tiles so the surface water is going into the drain that's no problem but the thing is, what happens when you, when you what we do, we we basically block the drainage and we we put a bit of water uh, around 10, 20 mil of water in the shower base, which which puts pressure, the hydrostatic pressure of the water pushes the water under the tiles through the grout, yeah, to go to the puddle flange, which which is which is designed to let the subsurface water go under the tiles into the drain. Um, but the thing is, as as you leave it on, because grout is porous. The, the water under the tiles starts spreading, starts spreading because of the hydrostatic pressure, and then it exits the shower area. It finds it, it finds an outlet to get out of the shower uh, the shower area into the wet area. Now, water going to the wet area is okay, but when it exits the wet area, like in your bedroom, that that's non-compliant. And the thing is, you have to insert water stops between the shower area and the wet area, and also the wet area as well. And they're not installed properly, which which lets the water come out, as per my videos when you watch them. Yeah. And uh, to, to accelerate the process during the inspection, we block the drain and we just leave it for 15 minutes and see what happens. And basically the water goes under the grout, um, uh, under the tiles, and the glue, glue starts sucking it up. And then it goes outside the shower area, you know. So and you, that, would, that you would do this on, on both existing properties and new yeah. properties? Yeah, it depends how many times you use a shower. If you use a shower like once every week, it's all right. It kind of delays the process for like two or three years, and then it starts to come out because the water will, would have made a track under the tiles. Under it's the tiles. The, the water under the tiles. And that's why you have to follow that's the where we don't want We don't want water down there. We want it on top of the yeah. tiles, Yeah. Yeah, but in Australia, it's it's okay for they allow ceramic grout, which is porous. In in the US, they don't use porous grout; they use epoxy grout, which is which is the non-porous. So it only allows the water to go on the surface and straight into the into the drain. So what you're saying there is the waterproofing, as long as that's been done to standard, like a, it won't have any holes in it, yeah. so it's it's yeah. properly applied but also there's a stop between the edge of the bathroom or edge of the shower and the bathroom and then the edge of the bathroom and and whatever other the next room is and so if you've got carpet because i watched one of your videos where that you're pulling up the carpet (laughs) at the you know or and the water's coming out yeah and that's because they they haven't put that extra layer that extra little trough or lip or whatever that's the aluminium yeah Mm, the aluminium strip in that video it's the water's going underneath the aluminium strip. It's supposed to come on it and basically stay there, encapsulate the whole area around the shower and around the bathroom until it dries. The water exit, and they haven't done that right. Wow! So little things like that, little because things I know that, like that, it's, yeah. aren't they important? Because yeah, it is. Uh, but the thing is, this problem only occurs after three or four years. It depends how far the shower is. Mm. If it's a, like two meters away from the door. It will take around, you know, two years for it to reach the area. And then you're well outside a builder's warranty if there is one. Oh, no, it's still within the builder's warranty. In Victoria. In, in, well, oh, yeah, sorry, yeah, you're yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you said uh, not defects. Yep, six years. But, you know, I, I think the question becomes then, you know, how do you get the builder to come back? Yes, that's ex- right. that was so one of our questions. Talk to us more challenge. about that because that's really mm. hard, particularly in this this period where there are some builders who are going broke. 
um, and, and, and things are a little bit difficult for trades that might be changing entities mm-hmm. to, to avoid some yeah. of these sort of liability issues as well. Yeah, I mean, and the bathrooms uh, are one of the most expensive rooms in the house, right, yeah. next to the kitchen. Mm. Uh, you know, to demolish and because basically if you've got to redo waterproofing, you literally have to demolish the bathroom and start again. Rip you know, everything you often out, can't you? save anything. Yeah. You know, maybe the, the toilet cistern and that's about it because usually the cabinets often are embedded inside the tiles as well. So they're wicking water up. Right, so the cabinetry is damaged. Mm. Um, so maybe just the basin, the the, the taps, <laughs> and and that's about it. And, yeah. and the toilet cistern is all you can actually save from it if you want to save it. But yeah. uh, it's it's really saving a couple of bucks in something that's probably going to cost you twenty to thirty thousand dollars to rectify by the time you've ripped everything out and put it all back together again. How How massive often- advocates. <laughs> So we're just like, we yeah, just, I know, just so want to ask questions. all these questions. <laughs> how, how often, though, would your clients, so somebody that gets you to do a handover inspection and you discover things like that, when you when you say there, Ed, you know, the big challenge is getting the builder back, you know, obviously they want their money because you're doing this as a pre-settlement inspection effectively, right? They want their money, um, but they don't want to go fixing things you know, partly also because someone else did it and handed them a certificate and they're assuming it's all right and they hope that nobody in, in, engages you guys to come and check it. Um, and a lot of people assume that all these things are done well. You know, they just make the assumption that there shouldn't be any problems. Um, how successful are people in, in getting these things rectified before they have to hand their money over? Or is there a big fight because the builder's saying, well, no, I've got a certificate saying it complies. Mm. Well, correct. So, I mean, that, that's the first thing a builder will hold up saying, I've got a certificate of compliance, yeah. but that's meaningless, mm. right? We can actually show that the certificate is literally untrue, <laughs> right? I mean, and because the waterproofer can self-comply, right? Yeah. Of course, you know, the work that they've done is compliant in their view, but has it, you know, is, it doesn't comply to the Australian standards by a long shot. So, in terms of getting builders back, it's it's a range, right? Some come back. I mean, we do staged inspections as well. So sometimes during the build process, you know, we're actually going out there testing the thickness of the membrane and comparing oh, that against like the manufacturer. That. So you're actually data seeing sheet. it during the building process and well, getting correct. Some, yeah. You know, so so then it's easier it. for the builder to come back and say to the waterproof, you need to do a second coat, right? Because uh, yeah. the membrane's not thick enough, or the water stop hasn't been done properly, and things yeah. like that. Um, so that's not as costly. But then as the build progresses, it becomes more more and more costly. And, and for some cases, it's been the case of the power of social media, right? Mm. I mean, all they need is a video up on, you know, YouTube, TikTok, Facebook, and before you know it, sometimes negotiations recommence yeah. in a more positive light fairly quickly afterwards. Oh, that's really <laughs> interesting because well, I, I, I did I see on one of your videos that a builder yeah. did respond to one of your videos yeah. and say, well, actually, I yeah, was yeah. the builder on I, there. I've taken some often? videos down. I've actually taken some videos. I've took some videos down because the client goes, the builders come back to me and he's willing to rectify only if the videos are taken down. Yeah, so yeah, I go, all right, I'll, I'll put them in private. But if he doesn't fix it, I'm putting him back on. <laughs> and you Very think sometimes that that's, that's a, like it's a, a moment of, oh, God, what, yeah, what's like, that? Within, within I didn't know hour, there was a problem or a, yeah. you know, a, no, I'm, I'm just going to push and push and push until I can't push anymore and then I'm going to have to do it. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a mixture of the two, right? Yeah. I mean, sometimes um, the, we, we had one client who um, had been pushing the builder 
I'm trying to think of how long for two years, basically. Oh, it was yeah. pre-COVID, right? Oh. So over two years now. Um, and of course, the builders, oh, it's COVID. We can't come back. We can, she had to stop using her, her ensuite bathroom. And that's the one that was really leaking, yeah. right? You just put the shower hose on the wall and it's out in the bedroom in no time <laughs> flat, right? God. Um, and so she had to use the second bathroom, which also had problems, mm. right? So, yeah. So this was the thing. And the builders sent out their maintenance um, supervisor who happened to be their bricklayer. <laughs> Right, so he put on his maintenance supervisor hat, went inside. Oh, we need to do is reground, and everything will be good. Yeah. Well, yeah, no. <laughs> See, they're, they're trying to fix the problem by uh, by eliminating the water from going under the tiles by by because that the proposal was to use epoxy grout. That's what the supervisor said. That's what what I think it's uh, um that uh, rock Donnybrook was it that video uh, or Melton D- Diggers Rest Diggers Rest yeah yeah Diggers yeah, Rest video. Yeah. So he proposed to use epoxy grout. And the client's like, oh, all right, as long as it fixes the problem. But the thing is, I told her that's that's, that, that's just a temporary a fix mask, because the epoxy grout it basically is only allowing the, the surface water mm. to go inside the drain. But the thing is, the negative thing about epoxy grout is that it's so hard that any movement in the house will make it crack, but right. on the sides. Right. So you want so to see ask, the crack. Why do we not use that here? If that's yeah. so, the ceramic grout, um, it's got polymer in it and it's flexible. The epoxy grout, it's really, really hard and um, it, it's non-porous, so it doesn't allow the water to go under the tiles. And that's what these guys are trying to avoid. They're trying to avoid to fix the membrane because the waterproofing is not compliant. Mm-hmm. So they're thinking, all right, we'll use epoxy grout and that way it eliminates water from going under the tiles. And uh, there you go, problem solved. And it's like $500 to fix. But to fix the bathroom properly, it's around 20, 30 grand. Yeah. So we talked about waterproofing. That's a big one. Are there, uh, Veronica? See, we're just like, I know, we get Um, all excited. We just talk (laughs) over each other. You go, Megan. I'll ask my question later. What are the other common faults that you see? Oh, no, can we, just before you get into that, I find this fascinating because (laughs) when I walk through houses and I see evidence of water doing its thing because water will find the path of least resistance and I'm quite often fascinated by the way that happens. And I remember learning about the capillary action, you know, because I worked in the plumbing industry for a while, believe it or not. Anyway, and I've often noticed um, around the doors of bathrooms, sometimes where there's carpet, you know, on the other, the next room, and I've discoloring around the the door frame, oh, yes. you know, in the bottom of the bathroom. And I and I've often looked at it, and go, where's the showers way over there, and how yeah. the hell has water got to there? And so you've just explained that for me, basically, yeah. that the actual design is that the waterproofing effectively protects, you know, the foundations of the house or what's underneath the yeah. bathroom. But the tile and the grout doesn't protect the water from going to the to the waterproofing membrane. Yeah, it, it's okay. It's okay yeah. for the water under the tiles, but it has to be contained within the wet area. Yes. Now, AS3740, which is the waterproofing standard in 2010, allows the embedment of uh, the door frame and the architrave into the tiles. Right. But the thing is, if you want to do that, you have to membrane and seal the whole thing. Now, if you're getting that swelling, mm. it means sucking up the water. Yeah. <laughs> the, the new Australian standard that came out last year for waterproofing, it, it, it eliminates the whole thing. You're not allowed to even embed them anymore. You have to you have to basically finish them, finish them off about two to three mil above uh, the, the finished floor level. Got it. So that's the door frames and the jams? <laughs> yeah. Above so the so, floor so level. if you do see that problem where it's wicking ah. up and swelling, 
It means you've got waterproofing issues. Oh, so, wow. Oh, my Love goodness. It. So this opens up a whole new can of worms. Um, and we'll yeah. finish this episode in six hours. But so, yeah. so one of the things that I that I, I see is, you know, I, I like to hang around and check out forums online and all those sorts of things. People saying, look at how terribly my builder finished this. The door frame doesn't even go into the tile area. You know, do I put... Um, some silicon or some normal gaps or some mm. something to to fill in that yep. gap. So how do you, how do you finish that off to a to a point that it looks aesthetically pre- pleasing, but it actually doesn't suck the water up in the way that you're saying? Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Look, the shredding standards. It has actually a detail. There's a diagram that shows how to actually finish it. Um, uh, basically, you just cork it. You just put a nice seal in there. You just do. It should be corked. It should be corked. Yeah. And there's a detail now for it, which came out uh, last year. Um, okay. uh, and I, I always put the extract in my videos how it's supposed to be, but people kind of don't look at it. <laughs> what makes <laughs> too me much information. too much info? We're, I just, know should, we're info. just mesmerized by the David Attenborough voice that is going through. <laughs> yeah, oh, no, you slow yourself <laughs> down. It's hilarious to no. give gravitas. But you obviously, it seems to me that you have a psych- encyclopedic knowledge of the yeah. Australian standards, you know, and the building code and all the rest of it. Yeah. I mean, it's a bit alarming that bu- people actually building these properties don't have that same encyclopedic knowledge yeah 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 i mean they they definitely don't that that's one of the issues that the whole industry faces right um people leave trade school and have never even flicked over past you know the the cover of a australian standard or sometimes the ncc right now builders will often refer to the ncc but a lot of these individual trades like waterproofing as an example i mean I mean, most of us have probably sat exams at some stage in our lifetime, right, to, to move on with our careers or be, or educate and learn and things like that. And and this is something that needs to be indoctrinated in, into the industry itself, yeah. right? Is it, it an ongoing exist. learning? Like, a, you know, in some industries you have CPD, compulsory professional development. Is, yeah, is, yeah. There, is, that, is that what you think should be sort of out there? You have to keep going oh, back to the stand? You have to per, keep going back and improving yourself? Yeah, look, my personal opinion is, yes, it should be. There, there's nothing wrong with it. We're always learning. Yeah. I mean, um, as we can see, the standards change every couple of years yeah. anyway. Yeah. So mm. you know, we, we we issued one report and somebody said, oh, I've been doing it this way for 20 years. How dare you tell me how to... Yeah, well, I can imagine all the bad houses that have probably ended up like the one behind you there, Megan. But you know, but, but that's what happens, right? It's it's people don't move. People kind of you know believe that you know that how we built in the 1940s and 50s is how we continue to build today. But it's not right. It's 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 very very different. We learn and, so much, don't we? And and that comes yeah. over time and also our understanding yeah. of the climate and the environment that we're in and the, the yeah. soils that we're building on and all of those things yeah. have an impact on, yeah. on building practices. Yep, exactly. The change in products, yeah. um, you know, the vast range of products you can now use in building and construction, it all sort of adds to the complexity and mm. And you know, it is hard for a builder to keep up to date. I'm not saying it's it's, it's yes. an easy task, mm. yeah. but mm. um I mean if you want to be professional in your in your job and your career, it's kind of something that you really need to do. And you know, I've worked with plumbers and chippies in the past that do keep up to date mm. with it, but they're the few and far between, right? It's mm. you know, most of them just rock up to the side, and you know, that's how I did it ten years ago. Is how I'm doing it today. Mm. 
I think about all the building codes that, that I'm familiar with that have changed, like staircases, you know, the steepness of staircases, for instance, or the height of balustrades or window mm. openings in apartments. Like mm. safety is is one aspect that, that will result in obviously changes to the building code and various regulations. It's interesting, though, it's something that we rail about in our industry too, the, the buyer's agency side of our business. You know, unfortunately, there's some buyer's agents that really understand legislation and their responsibilities and um to to clients and 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 there's others that don't and even though we've got cpd in our industry you still got people who would do the bare minimum just to tick a box versus those who are actively engaging and they're listening so this is something i imagine extends in every single career and, and profession oh. and and trade of course. The problem with the building industry, of course, is that the sheer amount of money that people are paying to buy a product mm. and and the pain and and um, suffering really that can um, be experienced by people living in a house that's defective, particularly with water, you know, because obviously water creates so many problems, the mould or it could be just yeah. the, the eroding the actual fabric of the property as well. And so you've got some structural issues that can that can be created. So there's so many things that can go wrong. But I guess also what you said earlier that really um, piqued my curiosity was that some people engage you to do stage inspections. So... I would imagine that that's an additional cost to a purchaser, but somebody who's obviously aware of what can go wrong and the very fact that once the building is started, you know, it's layer upon layer upon layer and there's, there's certain things that are done then covered up, waterproofing is a classic mm. example, and then you don't know afterwards whether it was done right or not. So what's involved, like if you were, how many people would really engage you to do a stage inspection? What sort of person would and what type of cost would that add to to you know, their, their purchasing price effectively. Yeah, look, it, it, it obviously varies on the complexity of the build and, you know, we need to look at the architectural drawings, the structural engineering drawings and all those sorts mm. of things. Now, you know, we also tend to try and recommend to clients, I mean, there are some statutory inspections that the registered building surveyor, the guy who stamps the plan, right, has to do. Mm. So that's usually pre-slab framing. Do you really need us to do that? <laughs> Technically, No. Uh, some people still do get us to do a QA check, and believe it or not, we have actually uncovered issues that mm. have to go back and be rectified. And we've had some jobs go totally on on hold until those rectification works mm. take place. So human error can, can occur, right? So, but you know, so so as you're saying, it does add to the cost. It comes back down to you know somebody making a decision on well, this is probably the biggest investment of my mm. lifetime. Um, am I here for one, two years, a short time and a good time, or, I, or is this really the family home for like 20 years, right? Because typically you don't want to renovate your bathrooms after five to 10 years, <laughs> right? Um, maybe after 15 or 20 or something, you know, depending on, on, on your change of styles and everything else, maybe that's the time that you choose to do it. Mm. But you really don't want to embark on it because the, the substructure is giving way, right? Mm, um, yeah, yeah, so true. So, look, I mean, the costs are, are just so dependent, right? It, it can be anything from, you know, $1,000 per stage upwards. So that's like pre-slab fixing, um, you know, lock-up, uh, you know, frame, sorry, you know, lock-up fixing and then final handover. Waterproofing as well. Yeah, we, we come in and do waterproofing, we do waterproofing as well, as, well. A, a, as mm. part of that. 
says too, to actually test the thickness of the membrane and make sure that yeah. they've done the water stops for showers, door openings, like, all of that sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah, one of the volume builders that we uh, we got engaged to buy a client to do an inspection for, for the for the base stage, mm. um, uh, I, I did uh, basically an inspection there and because I was too picky on the, on the actual defects, I got banned from that job site now. If you watch, if you watch my one of my videos about the email that says, you know, you got where the client has to marry, uh, has to marry <laughs> the, the builder. I made a video about that email. That's that's the actual builder. He he started telling. What, what did he say on the email? Something about the the client has to have a a strong and yes, yeah, so a long term. Uh, we're we're in a strong relationship for the next nine months, and you know, <laughs> then there's probably a divorce thereafter, right? But wow. Yeah. <laughs> he goes, we have to get. He goes, it's a marriage, you yeah. know, between the client and the builder. Why do you need a building inspector for? <laughs> you know, <laughs> do you know? So um, I got an extract of that email, ago, and, I and, had... I, and, I, and I joked about it. 18 years ago, we had people saying, real estate agents saying, why would you want a buyer's agent? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's yeah. it's a real estate, and it is, it's it's protection. Yeah. Um, it, it is, you know, you don't go into a marriage without consulting often your family or, you know, yeah. people mm -hmm. who have been there before, done it before. Are they yeah. licensed to give you marriage advice? Probably not. So a little bit different to you guys, but, you know, yeah. you, you don't. You just don't walk in eyes closed with yep. no consultation or expert input and we talk about this i just bang on about it constantly within the course and that is mm -hmm. get the experts who are experts in their field and who will stay on track to give you the advice and this is i guess why we're, we're opening people's eyes to this is you mm -hmm. think that a new property is going to be quite perfect uh, there might be a few little bits and pieces, but as you're starting to reveal to people and show them in a quite a public way through your videos, there, there is a lot that can go wrong through the process mm. and it is hard to unravel those things once things are finished and it's hard to get builders back sometimes. Yeah, a lot of builders have a lot of pride in their work. We're certainly not mm. suggesting yeah. that all builders are like this and, and I don't know if you've got any stats on what percentage you would find, but I would expect that most, almost all properties will have some defects of some type because we're human beings and we're not exact. Mm. It's how mm. the builders then deal with those defects and how they can get rectified, I think, that is a, a really big part of what we want people to think about um, mm. to engage people who can really help them through that process. Yeah. And, and, and that's the critical part as well, right, is that, you know, uh, I mean, we're often engaged by people it's either two stages, right? They're, they've heard about us and they're getting us to do the staged inspections because they're engaging a builder to build. Yeah. Um, some of them believe that because they're going with a volume builder that they're in safe hands. But, you know, the big thing is is that even the volume builders have to rely on multiple trades and their site supervisors mm. are spread across, I don't know, how many mm. different job sites, mm. right? So you don't actually get much focused attention on each individual build as perhaps... They, they should, right? Mm. So that's the whole idea behind the stage inspections. But you're right as well in terms of if we do it at the end, I mean, it overwhelms the builder, right? Yeah. And the costs are huge. Mm. Yeah. In some cases to rectify, like if you've got to do every bathroom again, you're in trouble. But I've got to be honest, I mean, we've seen it in the low-end builds for like a $300,000 build and we've inspected $3 million plus yeah. builds and it's the same issues. Yeah. Wow. What so you know those other safe? common... 
common faults. You're not safe. Yeah, so we talked a lot about waterproofing, which is obviously very important mm. um, and, and probably one of the most costly things to, to rectify. And even in some of those big complexes, Veronica, um, I've seen water issues from roofs and um, rooftop gardens and, and that can go mm-hmm. on and on and on, be very, very mm. costly for a long period of time. But what are some of the other things that you commonly see, guys? Well, roofing's probably the next main one. Really, yeah, roofing, it? yeah, it's a lot as well. Non-compliant roofing works Which all the time. Water again? <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Well, it's usually what the homeowner ends up seeing, right? Yeah. So the water in the bathroom being wicked up somewhere or running out of the shower or damaging carpets yeah. or it's coming in for your ceiling in the lounge room or some other room in the house, you know, um, or running down windows or whatever the cause yeah. might be. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's a visible very visible very quickly when you've got the current rain events that we're all experiencing mm, yeah. in Australia at the moment. Yeah. yeah, And that's something that I know every property manager I know is was suddenly very, very busy, you know, with uh, roofing repairs and, and <laughs> water repairs uh, for a period mm, yeah. of time. I was talking to one the other day who said that they've, after the last downpour, they were, they all sit there on tenterhooks waiting for the phones to start going crazy, oh. all the tenants telling oh, them about really? the leaks. And it's like, no, nothing. We've actually managed to fix every every property that we have in the um, in our portfolio, which is which is nice. But there's also, I imagine, quite a lot of other defects that, that would not manifest necessarily. And I mean, one of the, one of the videos I was looking at yours uh, had sort of all these walls were bowed, all the internal walls. Nothing was square, mm. and oh everything was God, bowed. Yeah. Now, is that a defect that can get fixed, or is that something that someone's got to have to live with? Well, there's um, that can be fixed. You got to demo the wall. There's there's a couple of videos back. You'll see how another volume builder has actually demoed the whole wall in the kitchen, removed all the kitchen. I, I couldn't believe he'd done wow. that. Wow! About five videos back. But the thing is. Uh, the whole wall was bowed and all that it was about 20 mil bow. Mm. So they removed all the kitchen, they ripped out all the plaster. And uh, I mean, th- this was a uh, bought off the plan, I think, and it was settlement. And then they had to demo all the kitchen <laughs> and they fixed it. They had mm. to fix it. And uh, sorry, I came back to inspect it before they plastered and it was still out. <laughs> so it was actually <laughs> the framing that was out or yeah, even so the possibly frame, the, the, frame the concrete was out. floor. Did, did, no, did, frame. did you offer to <laughs> give them a spirit level? <laughs> oh my god i think maybe they need to stay off the spirits for a while but um you know, uh yeah look at oh, oh, we mentioned amazing. no names I mean, here no I, I names always, <laughs> always i always scope the whole area and, and i try to look i look in the bins and and i find i want, I want to see what i find i find alcohol beer bottles this and that and uh, and it explains the whole job what's going on there Oh my god! <laughs> it's a cultural thing. Do you think that sits beside behind some of these wonky walls? It's alarming, actually. It's it's probably worse. Certainly, watching your videos, it makes me aware how prevalent it is. Mm. Um, which which makes me think it's probably worse than people realise. I mean, yeah. what proportion of houses? I mean, and look, they're all going to have something little at least, mm. right? Would expect something yeah. little at, at least in yeah, every yeah, property. Yeah. Yep. What proportion of properties would you inspect as a handover inspection that have something more than minor? Well, I mean, pretty well all of them. If they've got a metal roof, for example, um, there's a lot of non-compliance in, in the roof plumbing yeah. work that's basically being done with sumps and box gutters and capping and all that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, the bathrooms are critical. Balconies is another one. They're mm. almost always non-compliant, right? Um, you know, in, in an, 
a range of different matters. That's not even inspecting the waterproofing, but just how they've just been built not to plan and yeah. things like that often. Uh, people just seem to be taking shortcuts everywhere. And, and that's why, you know, with our inspections, we do everything with a copy of the plans in hand, mm -hmm. right? Mm. Um, you know, a lot of other inspectors just walk in, walk out, right? And I mean, yeah, I can pick painting defects. And yes, they appear in our report as well, more from a completeness sake point of view than as a primary area of concern. Mm. Uh, yeah. But I mean, obviously, if there's a big paint drip coming down the wall or somebody's like literally tipped a bucket of paint over the tiles and it's, you know, marked the ceramic grout, uh, marked the grout and things like that. Yeah, of course, you've got to pick on those sorts of things because it's mm. got to be clean. It's in the living area. Mm. I mean, if somebody's going to notice it, it's right? obvious. <laughs> yeah, correct. Mm. Yeah. So, so there are those sorts of things. And, and even the walls that we, we just spoke of earlier, I mean, mm. look, you know, we, we, we pick them. Um, when we see them, right? So, but in some cases, they're like in the main hallway, in the main passageway. Mm. I mean, as you walk in the door, it's like, you know, I'm almost getting a migraine just from looking at these bows in walls <laughs> everywhere. And I, I honestly don't get it. How, how did could they not pick it up? up. Well, yeah. correct. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I actually, the inspection that I did today that the, the client got another inspector to inspect, yeah. He's on his report. He's got a picture of the um, the ceiling space that oh, it's it's you know there's a lot of insulation and I can't go in. But I I went in because you know if I can fit in the hole I can go. I want to go in. So I went inside. There were gang nails that were separated from the truss, which are uh, which is a major defect. They had the um they had the range hood output straight into the insulation. Oh. To out there. I, I'm gonna make a video about that oh. really really soon. They've got um, electrical faults. They've got uh, the plasters incorrect. They've got the fans, the extraction fans. The outlet is blocked by the insulation. Mm. So, oh, so this guy has missed all those items in the roof, which is there was about 10, 10 defects there, and then two of them were major. So uh, that's what happens. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. I guess I guess when I, when I hear those things, they're defects that can be overcome but you have to identify yeah. them to overcome them mm. before they become issues that actually um, cause more damage than could be overcome. Does that make sense? Did I, did I yeah, yeah well, exactly. So, so one of the, the, the property owners we, that had the bathroom issues, right, um, in Digger's Rest, um, she asked for a full house inspection, which, which we did. We mm. went into the ceiling space as well and, yeah, her um, uh, exhaust fan from the range would just it just goes into the open space, even though she has sarking in the roof and it's meant to be connected to the outside through a canopy. <laughs> and anyway, there's electrical wiring running over that, and that electrical wiring is now covered in grease and oil oh. because they've been in the house for four years. Mm -hmm. So there's a potential fire hazard yeah. there. It's right? a breach of uh, Australian yeah. standards for electrical. Yeah. So it's it's a breach, but it's it's reaching the stage. Where it's yeah. becoming a potential hazard, right? I mean, obviously, the Australian standards identifies it as a hazard right from the outset. But and she had uh, HVAC contractors from the builder going up there, rectifying an issue with their central heating unit, and that person had to go past that spot at least two times and didn't actually draw yeah. her attention to it, right? So it just goes to show you the, the case of. I hear on the job site so often, not my job, mm, mate. Not my job. I think that's no. the thing, isn't it? Oh, geez, the electrician's did a shoddy job over there, but I'm not going to say anything to anybody. Yeah. Why? Mm. Why? Like well, the Sparky probably ran his wires before the guy who 
you know, cut the hole in in the ceiling for the fan, right? So maybe it's not the Sparky's issue, but you know what I mean? This is, yeah. It's a care and attention. It's a holistic isn't it? thing too, isn't yeah. it? Care and attention, yeah. And 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 holistic, like looking at is yeah. this big picture right or is it just my part that, you know, I've got to yeah. focus on and, and get out of here Correct. as quickly as I can because I'm so on you're, an hourly you're- rate. Your job is very much obviously a warrior, you know, protecting the purchases, right? And I love the fact you're so um, unapologetic about it. It's like I'm here and I'm going to show you exactly what is wrong here and I'm annoyed by these builders. I hate the fact that they do this. And it's like you've got a personal sort of, it's personal in a way. Um, And I like that because we're a bit the same about our profession, right? But what what I think... um, is rather interesting is that some of the builders have gone back and, and rectified and the deal is that you removed the video and that's all well and good. Do yeah. you think that some of these builders are starting to see, well, actually maybe it's cheaper to do it right first time rather than yeah. wait for someone like you to come through come through and find it, having to replace walls in kitchens and, and all the rest of it that they might need to do or redo um, waterproofing. Do you think... I know you've got to chip away at it one builder at a time, but do you think there's been anyone that's responded in that way? Or are they no. still covering up? <laughs> no. <laughs> Sadly, no. Mm. I mean, I, I can giggle about it and laugh, but it's – it's, and, and this is where I think it, it becomes quite disappointing, mm. right, in terms of the industry as a whole and kind of what I sort of regard as a bit of a lack of professionalism, right? I mean, there aren't too many people, let's say you're a nurse or a whatever – you know, somebody's fallen over and hurt themselves in the street, are you going to walk past that person or are you going to stop and help? Mm. You know, most people will stop and help. Honestly, with some of these jobs when we see a wonky wall as an example, I mean, you don't even need to know the standards to realise mm. it's ours, yeah. right? I mean, you can see the framing stage. Yeah. It's not rocket science. So some site supervisors walked up and down that hallway, I don't know how many times, past those walls, and not done a thing about it. Right? <laughs> Do you know what I hear sometimes? Oh, it's just settling. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, they'll, they'll try any excuse. Yeah. And I guess this is the other thing that, yeah, well, it's actually true. Builders yeah. will just say, no, just give it time. Give it time, no, this, it'll no, settle. That. Yeah. And, and then people come back to us saying, is this reasonable? Well, you know, they're, they're just trying to pull one over you, right? <laughs> it's not going to settle straight. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, well, that's it. Yeah. If it's wonky now, well, it's well, not going to wonky straight. It's like, you know, the weather conditions, environmental. Oh, it's because the house was open for so long. Uh, no. <laughs> um, and it, well, the other actually crazy thing is, is just painting tops and bottoms of doors. Yes. Right? It's oh, a little yes. thing, but it's so right around, right? Yeah. And, you know, literally I've not, yet inspected, I, I don't think Z's inspected a house yet where it's been done properly, right? That's another classic. And it's even made worse with the, the laundry doors, the garage doors and the front door, which are exposed mm. to the elements, plus the laundry and bathroom doors, right? Mm. They're, they're going to swell and change over time. Then uh, two years, or 12 months down the track, somebody's saying, oh, I'm finding the door hard to close, and open and the mm. bill doesn't want to come back and adjust it or they sent somebody in they said no the hinges are all fitted properly well you take one look at the top and bottom it's not sealed and okay it's changing over time yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah in the summertime i can close it but in winter i can't <laughs> look you know, it's a big problem in queensland because we have timber houses and they do move and i, I had a house 
renovated to a really good degree. And I, I do have handover inspections. So any renovation work that I do and anything we purchase for people have handover inspections. But I had this, this house and it had lovely, um, three and a half meter ceilings downstairs. And in the August winds, uh, so it was VJ sheeting downstairs, VJ sheeting, um, ceilings, cornicing and so forth. In the August winds, every single year, the entire house downstairs would open up. And then it would all come back for the rest of the year. So I'd have three weeks where all of the gaps would open up and I'd mm. ring the painter and the builder and I'd say, the house has opened up again. They'd say, give it three weeks and it'll be back to normal. And sure <laughs> enough, it would be. So there are some environmental impacts. What we want to say to people is that's that's unusual. It's not common. Um, mm. And it is very much, you know, it's very much a Queensland thing. But, you know, if you have a house on a slab, you shouldn't expect that sort of thing to happen on a regular basis well that's right i mean yeah the slabs are designed you know not to to move to that extent right or at least to move as one uniform structure yeah. mm. right not independent where well, if you're on stumps and footings it's all different right so but yeah look you know it's yeah you, you always we always find something right and mm. and that's not to say we're, we're out there you know really trying to you know prove people wrong but um, you know, there's a degree degree of commonality, you know, around you know, a number of the things that we find. So, if you, your sister, your daughter, your mum, or brother, or whatever, anyone that's close to you, would you actually encourage them to buy a brand new house? Well, to be honest, I'm I'm actually looking to buy uh, an investment property now. Mm -hmm. We went to doing uh, an inspection. I got Ed with me, and just want to tell him what happened. <laughs> well, we didn't have our, our stuff on. I didn't, so. and I was surprised. I was surprised the builder. I reckon the builder knew it was me, yeah, well, but I was wearing like a Superman hat and all that, pretending like I had a t-shirt said non-compliant. So I'm thinking he might have recognised me. Dead giveaway. A <laughs> little bit of a hint. <laughs> so uh, we, we walked in, and it was at fixed in stage, but they haven't tiled yet some areas, and they've got like. You can see that, like the membrane on the wall, you can see half a coat on. You can see the nails under it. Half a coat, it's like, like yeah. <laughs> like they've just dry rolled it with the uh, with with mm, the roller. But mm, the thing yeah. is, the water stops when installed properly. The balcony substrate was non-compliant. There was no movement joints inside. Anything over four point five meters externally needs a movement joint that wasn't there. Uh, there were so many defects, and I'm thinking far out. And and they want nine hundred thousand. Not in total, mm. but yeah, that's right. And it's the whole job is non-compliant. Mm. The roofing is non-compliant. Everything, and I'm like, oh, I didn't say anything. <laughs> it was like, oh man, let's get out of here. <laughs> Three units, all the same. So same problem. You're not going to buy one of those ones. Guessing that's not for you. Oh no way. No, good. I'm pleased to hear that. Um, I wouldn't be buying brand new as an investment, by the way. Just so you know, anyway. Just that's a, that's just the bit of free opinion from me. Oh really? Uh, but it's not just brand new. I mean, we we are also talking <laughs> about renovations as well. So this, this is just you don't just do handovers, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. inspections on brand new. This is for places that have had renovations as well, because yes, that yeah, can exactly be right. just as costly if there's been quite a significant yeah. renovation. You're buying something that you expect to be in a fairly you're very much compliant with current um current standards when you're buying something that's renovated yeah. recently so it's it's not just the brand news that you do it's it is also established yeah well it, it, exactly so you know people often be renovating kitchens bathrooms mm. right or doing extensions but you know kitchen and bathrooms are the biggest ones mm. right and the minute you hear the word bathroom 
you've got to put in waterproofing, yeah. right? I mean, otherwise they'll be probably doing another bathroom renovation in four or five years' time. Yeah, you just wasted your money on that new bathroom. I guess it's, it's very important if you are buying like a renovated home, just make sure you ask uh, the owner, can I, can I please have a copy of the waterproofing certificate or like the, build, the builder's uh, warranty insurance? Yeah. Because if there's any leaks, you know, you're going to be, how, who are you going to chase? Mm. You can't chase the builder or the homeowner. You're going to take them to court and it's going to take you like two years. Mm. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Great so, advice. Let's put, tuck that in the nuggets. That is always if there is a renovation, they might not have building plans because internal renovations don't always yeah. need it. Mm. But right. yep. there should be a waterproofing certificate. There should be um, probably glazing certificate, uh, depending on your council yes. area as yep. well, um, and probably plumbing certification or a new plumbing um, or drainage plan. If anything uh, under the Plumbers Act, anything over $500, hmm. you need to have a COC, yep. a certificate of compliance. And uh, and if they did a dodgy, uh, that means the, the plumber's going to get in trouble because anything over $500... They have to register the job with the Victorian Building Authority. Yep. All right. And, so and I each would state's different, but that, exactly right. I guess this about, is an awareness raising yes. thing, isn't it? Like yep. ask the questions. What do I need? I know I need yes. something. What is it in my state and my my council mm. area that I need? Mm. And you've got some ideas now of what you do need to ask. Yep. And yep. what That's can right. go wrong? They make their inquiries. Sorry. <laughs> and what, and can, what go can go wrong? wrong. Just watch, <laughs> well, watch some of Zahir's videos. As I said, we'll put the link in the show notes and you start to, your eyes will be opened as to what can go wrong and and also why it might be useful to look at a staged um, inspection mm. uh, regime, if you like, if you are going to buy off the plan or or buy a, a you know, Getting or even done. just commission a builder to build yeah. a renovation, it's not a bad thing to think about doing. And obviously these guys only operate in Victoria, but, you know, although I have to say I just saw you doing a road trip to New South Wales here, but yeah, I'm not sure you'd want to do that very often. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm sure there would be some building inspectors um, wherever you are. There However, are. Yeah. actually just on that, and this is I guess if we wrap it up on this, like in our industry, buyers agents, there's a lot of buyers agents out there, a lot of taking shortcuts to getting their qualifications. They don't have that much experience. They talk a good talk, but they don't actually necessarily do a good job. Um, mm. I know that that's the case with building inspectors because I've dealt with many of that are like that and I've dealt with, dealt with some excellent ones which are worth their weight in gold. Mm. And I've also I've read some building reports that I thought to myself, I know that person has not been under the house, has not been through the roof. I can tell because I've noticed more things that they've written about, like just my own cursory inspection. Yeah, I've yeah. noticed more things than they've written about. I've had subsequent inspections and I've lined those those reports up because the agent often gets one done, right, and I've lined them up side by side and I've gone, they didn't even note this termite damage. They didn't even note that leak. They didn't even note this stuff. So how would you recommend somebody choose a, a building inspector? You know, if they're not in your neck of the woods that, you know, obviously they can see what you do, but anyone else, how would you recommend that they, what do they look for when they're choosing a building inspector? Well, I mean, yeah, certainly they should ask for a sample report. Mm -hmm. So that's certainly something that we provide to all, you know, prospective clients and things like that so they can compare and contrast. Um, certainly the, the report should contain a lot of detail around compliance to the you know, NCC, to the relevant Australian standards, and make sure that they do go into the ceiling space, mm -hmm. make sure that they do go onto a roof space if it's safe to do so, right? 
Now, I'm not going to suggest that everybody's got to climb up on a 22-degree pitched roof on the second story, but there's a lot of flat roofs out there as well, mm. right? So, you know, you've, you've got to be able to, to get up there and have a look if it's safe to do so to actually, you know, make yeah. all these checks. Um, we've also invested heavily in equipment. So we've got a lot of electronic devices to a moisture meter. Mm. We've got a FLIR thermal camera uh, looking for detection of leaks. We've got laser levels that we can put mm. up to make mm. sure the walls are square and ceilings are level and things yeah. like that. So yeah, maybe like you can ask what equipment they've got. Mm. Uh, check the Google reviews. Yeah. Um, check the website, you know, see, you know, and maybe, yeah, like it said, get a sample report. Mm. It's very important to see what, what type of uh, reports they do. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's so, and it's really about ma making sure that, you know, the bill that you, you're looking at investing into meets the minimum standards. Because we, we're not talking here about, you know, the extra over standard, mm. right? Yes. We're talking about the minimum standards for, for building yep. in Australia. Um, so we're not we, we're not out there trying to push for more. We're just trying to push for that minimum. Wow. <laughs> well, it's absolutely been an eye opener. I mean, I love going around after building inspectors, and and I I learn something every single time I go to a new build to a building inspection, whether it's an established property, one that's been renovated, one that needs renovation, or on the rare occasion something that's new, but. This conversation has been an awful lot of fun. I've learned a lot and I hope that our listeners have also learned some of the things that you don't know that you didn't know so that when you go into um, a process of looking at a property, you, you really start to think and question and find the right people that can help you on the journey in those areas of expertise as, as you guys have pointed out and some of the information you've given us has just been gold. Thank you for joining us. No, in this episode, we've covered a very small part of our 10-step online course for first-time buyers. If you would like to learn more about the process and how to buy without making a mistake, then head over to our website, www.homebuyeracademy.com.au. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss an episode. And if you like what you've heard today, please give us an iTunes review. Five stars would be wonderful. It will help others find us as well. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found this really useful. And if you have, please share the love with others who you know are in the same boat. We'll be back next week with some more priceless stuff.